Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, last week we started a brand new series that we are calling Stronger, and that's essentially what we're talking about. The need for us in the body of Christ to get stronger. We took time and looked at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10 that says, if you faint or if you fail in the day of adversity, when trial comes, when trouble comes, when temptation comes, if you fall, if you fail, if you stumble, then it brings a revelation. It lets you know that your strength was too small. You need to be stronger. There's adversity, there's trial, there's difficulty that we're all going to engage. And according to that verse, the only difference between whether you fail or you succeed comes to the level of strength that you've either built up or failed to build up. That's what it's going to come down to. If you fail in those moments, you know what it means? You didn't build enough strength. So thank God, those of us who know Jesus, we have a relationship with him. That's the most important thing. We're thankful for that, but we're not just supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be strong Christians. We're supposed to develop our strength. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, to be strong in the Lord. We've got people that are strong in a lot of different things. People that are strong musically, People that are strong in business. Boy, he's really, he's really strong when it comes to finances. Strong in all kinds of different areas. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But we also need to be strong in the Lord. That when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to his ways, when it comes to his word, that we've got people that have developed their strength. They are strong in the Lord. Now, we're developing our strength not out of fear, not out of worry about what's going to happen in the days ahead or when adversity comes, but out of passion. Right? We're passionate. We want to be strong. When someone, the Bible says in Psalm 19 that a strong man rejoices to run his race. When I was in college, there was a guy that lived in my dorm that had been an army ranger. And he, he was a little bit off in a couple of ways. But when he would talk about getting in a fight or going to war, just meeting somebody on the street, having a confrontation, his eyes would light up. You could tell. I mean, he, he loved the idea of getting in a fight. Me, I'd be trying to figure a way to get out of a fight. He, was, he wanted to engage. Why? Because he was trained for it. He knew he was going to succeed. He just wants somebody test me. Please let me put these skills and this strength that I've developed to the test. Let me prove it. So we, we want to develop strength, not because we're worried, but because we, we want to put what God's done in us on display. We, want, we rejoice to run our race. We rejoice to face the challenges that God, God that are going to lay in our path because we can be strong men and women of God. Amen? We looked at Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, that says that the people who know their God, they will be strong. So there is a direct link between knowing God and strength, which means there's also a direct link between ignorance and weakness. The Where we lack knowledge of God, it represents a vulnerability or an area where we are weak. And the way that we develop that strength is to come out of ignorance and know God more. And that's something we can do. Amen. We can develop our knowledge of God, develop our relationship with the Lord. And as we learn more about who he is, who he's created us to be, something is simultaneously happening. We are becoming stronger and stronger. The people who know their God, 
they will be strong. So we kind of laid the foundation for this series last week with kind of those ideas. And then we took a few minutes to look at 2 Peter chapter 1. And we read through a passage of scripture that tells us that we have everything we need to be the men and women God's called us to be. God wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. He doesn't want you to be stagnant. He doesn't want you to have reached a pinnacle in your walk with the Lord and now you're just flatlining from here on out or you're, you're, you're dropping back to a lower level. He wants you to continue to develop. And it says you have everything that you need. And then it tells us at the end of the passage we looked at that there's something that keeps people from developing. He says that the people that fail to develop in this way have forgotten that they've been cleansed of their sins. And we took time to talk about how important it is that you know that you know that you know that the grace of God, the mercy of God, the blood of Jesus is able to make you as white as snow, completely, completely clean, to remove any residue of past mistakes where the enemy tries to remind you. That is, it's not just a pleasant thought. It's necessary for you to be freed up to advance and move on and grow stronger in the Lord. So that's what we talked about last week. We said what we're talking about in this series is really pretty basic, but don't allow the the simplicity to cause you to miss growing stronger and develop, developing the fundamentals and the basics. We want to gain mastery of them. That, that's how we get stronger. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. We'll start reading in verse 1. It says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened As he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside All things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now we'll keep reading as Jesus breaks down this parable, but he's got a a crowd of people 
gathered around him and he begins to teach them and he tells them the parable of the sower. Now, if you've been in church any time at all, you know the parable of the sower. You've read it hundreds of times. You've heard it preached from a bunch of times. This is like one of the classics, right? This is one of Jesus' all-time greatest hits, the parable of the sower. If Jesus were someplace teaching and he were taking requests, someone's going to request, hey, tell the, one about the, tell the one about the sower, right? This, this is one of the most popular, popular stories that Jesus told. So he tells a story about the guy throwing the seed around, what happens to the seed in these different places. And then he gets away with his disciples and his disciples ask him, Jesus, that story you told about the guy with the seeds, like what, what did that mean? What were, you, what were you trying to tell us? What was the point? I mean, we get, we get you know, how stuff grows, but what, what is it you were trying to communicate to us? And then Jesus said, verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, it sounds like Jesus is almost being a little bit rude. Like he's giving a little bit of attitude, rolling his eyes. If you guys don't understand this, this is like the easiest one I even know. If you don't understand this parable, you're never going to understand all the other stuff. Like, have you ever taken uh, music lessons? When you first start learning how to play the trumpet or the recorder or whatever it is, they give you songs like Mary Had a Little Lamb and Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Little Robin, Red Breast. No? Okay. Really easy, really easy songs, right? And like, they're really simple. If you can't play those, if you can't play uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, how will you ever play Mozart? Because it's so easy. If you can't handle easy, surely you can't do hard. It sounds like that is what Jesus is is doing here, but he's not being smart. He's not rolling his, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus is a teacher. So even as he is saying this, he's bringing revelation. He's letting them know something about this parable, that there's something in it, the principles, the concepts, the keys, that everything else that you're going to gain is going to come based on what is in this parable. That any growing, any understanding, any strengthening that you're going to acquire, it will be because of principles that are in this parable, right? If you guys don't, what's in this is going to allow you to understand and move forward in every other, in every other area. So this is key. Jesus is revealing some things that these principles and keys will be what allows us to to understand and learn and develop and grow in every, every other area in our walk with the Lord. Verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. So, hey, this, this parable is important. Everything comes out of the truth contained in this parable. Now, let me start breaking it down. Number one, the sower sows the word. So this is a story, a parable. The truth is, it's all about our engagement with the word of God. The sower sows the word. Everything that happens is going to come from from the word. Right? God's word is important. So all, all of our growing, all of our understanding, it's going to be based on what we find in the word of God and, and from there. And that's consistent with scripture. In John chapter one, it says the word became flesh. It says that everything God did was what? It was through the word. Everything he made was through the word. Without the word, there was, nothing was made that has been made. Everything came from the word. So that's consistent with what we find in this. All of our learning, all of our growing, it's going to come from what's contained in this parable now. The sower sows 
the word. Verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So he's breaking down the parable, throws the seed, birds come, snatch it up, fly away, the seed is gone. He says, okay, the meaning of that is when somebody hears the word of God, what happens immediately is that the devil goes into action and tries to steal away from that person whatever truth they've had encountered. So the first thing we can learn from this is that one of the things that keeps people weak, one of the things that keeps people from developing and growing and becoming stronger is that when they have an encounter with the word, a strategy of the devil is simply to steal that word from them. He wants to steal away the word, to snatch it, to snatch it away, to keep you from the promises of God, to keep you from the revelation and understanding about who you are in Christ and all that's been accomplished for you. It can look different ways. He'll use different strategies, but he wants to rob it from you. It can be in thoughts. It can be in different feelings. It can be in discouragement, either internal or external. He wants to keep you from it. I'll give you an example. Maybe last week we talked about being forgiven. Maybe if someone was here and that was something that was refreshing, it was good to hear, man, I am clean, I'm really clean, I'm really free. And then on the way home, thoughts might start to come. Does that really apply to me? Does that really apply to you? I mean, he, he was saying that kind of stuff, but he didn't really know your situation. He doesn't know, you know, even what you've done. It's not just that you did it. You, you did it so many times, right? He just starts to, to put, put question marks around the word of God so that you don't, really, you don't really trust it and know it. he's trying to snatch away, rob you from the word so that you never get to that point of fruitfulness. That's been the devil's strategy from the beginning with Eve in the garden. Did, did, God, did God really say He wants to try to stir up questions. And this is important because when you know something is going to be stolen or someone's going to try to steal from you, you carry that thing differently, right? When I was in middle school, the church that we went to, it was at a time when like gospel tracks were a a big deal. And our church had gotten a bunch of these tracks that looked like a $5 bill. It looked like a $5 bill folded up. And so what we would do is we'd take these tracks and we'd put them in our back pocket, sticking up so it looked like there's a bunch of money like hanging out of our, our pocket. And then we'd go and we'd walk around the mall and wait for people to like pickpocket us. Just, and you'd open up the track and it, it would say, uh, this is a fake, but the message is real. And then it would give the, give the gospel. So a bunch of very disappointed pickpockets as they're trying to steal $5. But when you know somebody, you know, if it's something you want stolen, there's a way to carry it, right? But if if that's something I didn't want taken and I knew people are going to be looking to steal, then I don't just put it flippantly where where it's available. When you know somebody's going to try to take this from me, I I carry it differently. I hold on to it differently, right? When you're going through a, a crowd of shady people with a young child, you don't just say, hey, I'll meet you on the other side, right? You grab onto them and you're latched on. You're like cutting off circulation to their fingers because I don't want anyone to take what's precious to me. So he's letting us know the, the strategy. This is the only time the devil's involved in this whole story. His strategy is simple. He wants to separate you from the word of God. It can look all, he wants to keep you from your Bible. He wants to keep you from church. He wants to keep you from Christian fellowship and people that would speak the word into your life. He wants to stir up that immediately, immediately. He will start working to bring question marks. Anytime you come in, have an encounter with the word, he wants to discredit it. That's the strategy of the devil. So one of the ways that keep, one of the things that keeps people weak is the, the direct 
interaction of the devil to try to steal away the word that's been planted. He's a thief. That's his operation. So that's issue number one that keeps people. We're we're talking about word engagement. Some people allow God's word just to be plucked up out of their life. They allow it to be stolen. They're not carrying it in a way that shows this is, this is, I'm not letting this out of my sight, right? Let's continue reading. Verse 16. You know, it's one of the reasons taking notes is so important. Taking notes in environments like this. Because God, God's speaking to you. You're writing it down. What, he wants to separate you from the word. You ever feel like God's speaking to you about something? Man, I know he's speaking to me. And 15 minutes later, you can't even remember what it was. I know God was really dealing. He's trying to separate you from, from the, the word encounter that you're having. He's trying to rob you from it. But when you have notes, you're, you're helping drive it deeper into your heart. You've got a record. God was speaking to me in that sermon last week. God was speaking to me in my Bible study as I was reading. What was it? You can go back. You have a record of it. You can go back to the day, right? Keeping notes is a way of helping kind of drive the roots down. I feel like there's a bunch of people that are very anti-taking notes looking at me. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, immediately they stumble. This is talking about the plant that sprung up but when the sun comes out, it withers, it withers and dies. And it says they have no root in themselves. They have no root in themselves. When trouble comes, when persecution comes, when, when things get hard, where it's not comfortable anymore, they stumble, they fall, they quit, they, they shrivel up, they wither. This is, this is revelation, right? Maybe there's been a point in your, your life where you caved, when you caved under pressure, when you back down, when tribulation or, or adversity came, or maybe you saw it in someone else's life, and you, what, what in the world was going on there? It's very simple. They had no root in themselves. It's telling us what, what causes that. They had no root in themselves. And where does a root come from? <clears throat> root comes from a seed, right? You put the seed in the ground, starts to open up, it starts to slowly spread out, and penetrate that soil and spread further and further. It, but it's coming, it's coming from that seed. It's coming from the word. So the word starts to penetrate. So the, the seed is the word. The soil is a person or a person's heart. And that root comes when it starts to push further and further and penetrate. And it says the problem was they had no root in, in themselves. They had no root in themselves. So we're, we're talking about roots. So we're, we're below the surface now, right? We're, where you can't see. We're in the hidden man, the, the quiet place, the secret place. That's what we're talking about. In that realm, what our word encountered. And it says that they didn't let the word penetrate them very deep. You can stay in Mark chapter four. I'm gonna jump around a little bit. <clears throat> let me jump over to Proverbs chapter four. Starting in verse 20, it says, my child, 
Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. It says, let them penetrate. Allow them to. Listen carefully. Pay attention. It's telling us how we let God's word penetrate deep into our hearts. My child, pay attention. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of them. What will that do? It will allow the word of God to penetrate deep into your heart. Now, in Mark chapter 4, shortly after this parable, Jesus teaches on something similar. Let me read verses 24 and 25. Mark chapter 4 says, Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. He's talking about paying attention. That if you pay attention, the closer you listen, the more understanding you're going to get out of the word of God. Not everybody gets the same thing out of a message. Not everybody gets the same thing out of a passage of scripture. But what's the difference? One of the differences is some people pay attention and they are listening closer than somebody else. The closer you listen, the more you're going to receive. Let me read it in the Amplified. Listen to this. Verse 24 in the Amplified version. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to what you hear. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth, right? It's proportional. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth will be the same measure of virtue and knowledge that are coming out of the truth that you are gaining and that you're growing. You're growing in your knowledge. You're you're gaining virtue. We know that those who know their God become strong, right? It's not the same for everybody. It has to do with the measure. So you read a passage of scripture and you don't just read it and then set it aside. You read your Bible for the day. You're good to go. You're thinking about it, right? You're studying it. You're meditating on it. You're going over. How how does that apply? You're letting it go with you all day long. The measure of thought and study. I'm supposed to forgive other people the same way that Jesus forgave me. I'm supposed to forgive other people. I'm thinking about that. What's that look like? The way that Jesus forgave me. Well, how did he forgive me? I'm I'm looking for, I'm finding references to the way that Jesus forgave me. I'm, I'm studying it. And it says that to that measure, there's no limit to scripture. You know that? God's scripture, God's word is so deep and so powerful. There's no limit to what you get out of it. You've got to guard against coming to a passage of scripture and thinking, I already know this one. You're only limited by the amount of thought and study that you're willing to apply, the, the press, the pressure you're willing to put on the scripture. That's the only thing limiting the amount of knowledge and virtue that you're receiving out of that verse, out of that teaching. It's just limited, not by the scripture and what it contains. It's limited by your study and thought and what you're, the work you're willing to put in to get what God has put contained in that scripture. My wife and I have a different philosophy when it comes to toothpaste. In fact, sometimes there's two tubes of toothpaste, which is not easy to say, by the way, two tubes of toothpaste being used in our bathroom at the same time, because we'll get to a point with a tube of toothpaste and she'll say, well, it's gone. Let's get a new tube. And I'll disagree. 
That's where you're wrong. There's, I know there's more toothpaste in that too. And I'm going to get it out. And I'm not trying to brag, but I've developed some techniques of getting every last little bit of toothpaste out, out of that tube. I know it's in there. Just different ways. We can, I'm sure you've got questions. You can talk to me some other time. <laughs> Laying it on the counter, using the handle of my toothbrush to... I mean, I, I, know, I know where that toothpaste hides in those tubes. I know there's different ways of squeezing, different angles. I know the sneaky little corners where I, I know how to get toothpaste out, out of that tube. So I get more toothpaste out of a tube of toothpaste than my wife does. Why? Because I spend more time with it. I apply more pressure. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to do the work to get it out. Now, that's a silly example, but it's the same thing with the Word of God. Some people get more out of the Word of God than others. Why? Because they press more. They spend more time with it. And they have an attitude, like I do with that tube of toothpaste, I know it's in there. I know there's more knowledge. I know there's more virtue. I'm going to keep pressing this. I know that it, you've got to know that there's more in these verses than just a, a simple little story, a little tale, a pleasant saying. No, I know there's more. You've got to have that determination. So I'm going to press. I'm going to twist. I'm going to think. I'm going to study. I know that it's in there and I'm going to get it out. You can get more out of the scriptures by the amount of thought and pressure you're willing to apply to it, to, to get it sunk down in your heart. The amount of time, the amount of thought you seal things up in your heart. You put little thought into the scripture, you're going to get little out of it. That's what Jesus is saying. Little study into it, little consideration, you're not going to get much out of it. In fact, this scripture says, Jesus, this is actually a warning. Be careful how you listen. It's not just information of how to get more out. You're protecting what you have. Because he says you can actually lose. If, if you're not willing to give time and thought and effort. If you're not careful with what you hear, even what you do know, even the knowledge and virtue you have gained, you actually have the ability to lose it and not have as much knowledge as you used to have. It's, it's a warning to spend time with God's word, to get it sealed up. Some of it, you know, your mind repetition is one of the ways you seal things in. We're talking about God's word penetrating, letting God's word penetrate our hearts and our lives, not a shallow encounter with the word. Probably every week, maybe every two weeks, I've got to have a password reset on something, right? Everything's got a password. I can't, I can't remember my passwords. You know, I'm always like, what's capitalized, what's not? Where did, where did I put the asterisk in this one? Any, anyone have to have passwords reset all the time? I'm doing that all, all the time. Passwords that I should know, I, I don't know them. But I know my ninth grade combination on my locker. I haven't, it's been, it's like 30 years, 30 years since I used this little locker. I think it's the only time I had to have a, a locker, a lock on my locker. And so I was so nervous about using this, this combination lock. I mean, I went 32, 38, 16, if you're wondering, that's what it was. 32, 38, 16. Got that drilled into my heart, drilled into my mind How, by repetition. It's, I couldn't forget it if I wanted to. Now, stuff I'm using all the time, but I'm losing combinations, losing passwords all the time. But that one, I can't forget it because I went over it and over it and over. I'm writing it on stuff. I'm putting up reminders and I sealed it in my heart. Now, obviously God's word is more precious than a locker combination, but the same things apply, right? It's just by, by thought, by consideration, by time engagement, we can seal things up in our heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 
22, I'm sorry. They bring life to those who find them. That word find can be translated as detect, to discover, like a detective, right? Like a detective, like a discoverer. They bring life to those who find, who detect, who are going after it. Sometimes we do Easter egg hunts as an outreach, as something nice to do for our community. We started doing them years ago. Some of you remember, we started off just doing just little Easter egg hunts and it started to grow to where, hey, we're gonna do 2,000 eggs and 5,000 eggs and then 8,000 eggs. It just kept growing and growing. 10,000, 12,000 eggs. I think the last time we did one, we did 25,000, 25,000 eggs. Every time that we do an Easter egg hunt, the week after, we get phone calls at the church from parents that say, my kid didn't get any eggs. Now we try to be kind, you know, we've, we've done different things. We've had extra eggs for those situations. Come by and pick up an Easter basket, come get a gift card. We want to be gracious and kind, but there's always a part of me that doesn't want to respond so graciously and kind. I think if that was my kid, I wouldn't be calling people and telling them. You're telling me that we put out 25,000 eggs and your kid couldn't find one? I'd keep that to myself. <laughs> but it's just an Easter egg hunt, right? That, that's what it is. It's an Easter egg hunt. You're, you just come and you look for them. I mean, technically, you could have an Easter egg hunt without even putting anything out. I'm gonna look around, see if you find something out. <laughs> that, that, that's what they're doing. It's not an Easter egg receive. It's not you just come and we give you Easter eggs. You come and you hunt, you look for them, Right? Some people, when it comes to the word of God, have the attitude of some of those parents that they just want to belly up. And if it doesn't just flop into their lap, then, you know, uh, I guess you've got, you've got a hunt. It's life to those who find, those who are looking, those who are, put some effort into the word of God. Be a detective, be a discoverer, have, have a, a desire. Again, don't approach God's word thinking that you already know everything. Come, come as a learner. Yeah, I don't even know if this is healthy or not, but I get jealous of other people's revelation. I, I love getting, when God speaks something to me from the scripture, I love it. I love it. And when, sometimes I'll hear somebody else share, and I appreciate it. I love listening to other ministers. But sometimes there's a part of me that, you know what? I wish I got that. I, God, I wish when you were going to wring that secret out of the word, man, I wish I would have positioned myself to catch that one. Man, God, I, I, want, I want you to tell me your secrets have a, a jealousy. I want to get every, everything out of the word of God, but it takes effort. You can't be lazy and find everything that God has for you. It takes diligence. You, you've got to be diligent and determined when it comes to your encounter with the word of God. And again, we're talking, talking about the, the, the parable of the sower. And right now we're talking about below the surface. The, we're talking about the secret place. What's going on in the secret place in your life? What's your encounter with the presence of God look like? What's your prayer time? What's your engagement with the word look like? Is it just a cheap daily devotional? Is it just reading through a chapter and then you're on your way? Are you taking time to engage, to plunge it deep? Let this word, Father, I just read about 
about the way a husband should love his wife. God, I know I'm not there. Would you help me? I'm supposed to love him like Christ loves the church. Father, help me. Let it, let it penetrate deep down in your heart. It's talking about the difference between people who fail, who shrivel up when tough times come, who don't make it, and those who succeed. And what, what the difference is, is how they've allowed the word to penetrate. Why did those people fail? They had no root in themselves. Where's a root come from? Letting that seed just spread out, get deeper and deeper. Don't have a shallow encounter with the word. People let so many other things carry more weight in their life than the word of God. Don't, don't, be, a shallow, don't be shallow in your engagement with the word. Yeah, we go to church. It's a nice thing to do. Our family, our kid, the kids seem to like it. You know, a lot of my friends go. But, you know, be deeper than that. Let God's word carry, carry weight in your life. Let it penetrate. So nothing carries more weight. Not what people think, not what's going on in media or in culture or in politics or anywhere else. The word of God is the deepest thing that I'm holding on to. That that's how we've got to be. Otherwise, when adversity comes, we'll shrivel. Right? We're talking about being stronger. So one of the ways we talked about, one of the ways to get stronger is don't let the devil steal the word of God from your life. The second way is have a deep encounter. Let it penetrate. Meditate on the word of God. Think about it. Study it. Hold on. Let it penetrate deep into your heart. Pay attention. Be a discoverer. Back to Mark chapter 4. Verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now we're talking about something happening above the surface, right? You see that it's different. He's, he's applying our word encounter to different realms, Now we're talking about above the surface where you can see what's going on, everyday life. God's word should have a role, not just in our secret place, not just in your Bible time. There should be evidence of it where people can see it. True? When you plant an apple seed, you're not just hoping for some nice apple roots, are you? I mean, the roots are important. They're necessary. That's where it all starts. But if you just have a nice root system and nothing else, I mean, you That's not what you were after. Eventually, you're after the fruit. Something needs to break through the surface and start to be, there's evidence of it. So he's taking us into another realm. Now he's talking about where the plants are growing and there's things of this life, other desires that when what the word is producing in our life hits the resistance of fleshly desires, things going on in in the world, what happens? Will those things choke out what God is doing or will you just continue to be faithful to the word? Right? So what chokes out what the word is doing is when we, everyday life. It's one thing to get God's word, to memorize it, but it's got to be able to play out in our lives. So you're taking God's word, you're, you're thinking about it, you're studying it. That's good. The roots are growing down deep. I'm supposed to be kind. God's word says to be kind. I'm supposed to be loving. I'm supposed to be gentle. You're thinking about it, getting that root system, get it sealed up, sealed up in your heart. But then you leave the secret place, and you're on your way to work. What happens when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Are you still kind and gentle and patient? Because now, 
Now it's coming up against the desires of this life. You, you know that you're supposed to walk in purity. You're supposed to guard what your eyes see. That Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Right? So you're thinking about that. You know the scripture. You've got it in your heart. But what happens when you get that pop-up ad on your computer or that girl's wearing really short shorts? What, ha- what happens? That's when what the word, what you've planted in your life is coming up against real-life application. What happens then? Because that's the moment where it's either going to choke out, there's going to be no fruit in your life, or you're going to stay loyal to the word, you're clinging to the word, and your life is going to produce fruit, right? It's in those moments when it hits the hindrance of a desire of the flesh, or just everyday living, the word, the desire, ultimately you want to bear fruit, but there's, there's moments where it hits that resistance. Are you going to be kind? Are you going to be patient? Are you going to tell the truth? Are you going to be honest in your financial dealings? Are you going to sneak a peek, right? Those, those are the moments, those are the most where you either bear fruit or you let desires, the flesh, choke out what God wanted to do in you and through you. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, that they were carnal, they were fleshly. And so their life was not producing fruit. Let me read you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When the flesh rules, when you are carnal, it will keep you from being fruitful. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse one, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. You're still carnal. For where there's envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You're just going by, you're just going by the flesh. When, when what you've been taught, what you know from scripture meets everyday life, you keep giving in to the flesh. And when you do that, it keeps you like a baby, like an infant, and it keeps you from producing, from producing fruit. Pay attention to your life. When those encounters, you, you know God's word, but when it comes up against everyday life, what happens? Those are the moments where you either break through to fruitfulness or you let, let the cares of this life choke out what that seed you received was able to produce in your life. But those aren't the only three options. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. These are the ones sown on good ground. What do they do? Those who hear the word, they hear the word, they accept it. They receive it. They let it, they let it penetrate. They keep holding on to it. When it starts growing in their lives, when it comes to everyday living it out, they are doers of the word. Not, not just hearers. It doesn't matter how many notebooks full of notes you've taken if you're not actually doing it in our lives. These are the ones that live it out. They bear 30, 60, 100 fold. Let me give you just a, a couple of real practical things to grow stronger in your encounter with the word. The first thing is this, have a daily encounter with the word. I know, I know this is basic, this is not a surprise, yet still people aren't doing it. Have a daily encounter with the word of God. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 17. This is, this is instruction God gave to his people when they would have a king someday. And it says this, Deuteronomy 17, starting in verse 18. When he sits on the throne, As king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. 
he must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. It's telling the king he needs to have his own copy of the word of God. He needs to keep it with him and he needs to read it every day. Why? What's the purpose of that? Just kind of a religious religious example? No, listen to what it accomplishes. That way, that way, reading God's word daily, that way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way and will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations. Listen to everything that that accomplishes. That daily engagement with the word of God. It'll keep him from becoming proud. It'll make sure that he fears God and obeys God's instructions. It'll keep him, it says, from turning aside even in the smallest degree. And it will ensure that he and his descendants sit on the throne. For a king, that's success. If you want success, one of the key ways to get there is to daily encounter the word of God and not a shallow encounter. Let it penetrate deep into your heart. Have a daily encounter. What does that look like? It can look all kinds of different ways. If you really don't know, aren't sure what it looks like, try, try this. Take some time to pray. Set aside some time. Just, just begin to pray. Talk to God. Cast your cares on him. Just praise him. Tell him that you love him. And ask him to speak to you. Lord, I'm about to read your word. Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. Would you come? Help me to understand. Let my heart be prepared. And then go and spend time reading the word. You don't have to read 10 chapters. You can, you can read 10 verses. Just read until God's word speaks to you. You know, one of the things we're trying to teach our daughters is to, to keep a notebook when they have daily quiet time. And every day, I want them to write something down. To write something. But there was nothing there. No, I want, there is something there. I want you to be determined. So I ask them sometimes, share me something you wrote in your notebook today. Tell me something that you felt like, even if you're just rewriting a verse, find something. It's one of the key ways to learn to hear God's voice and to go to God's word expecting to get something out. Every day, keep a notebook and write something down every day. Right? So take time to pray, engage in the, in the word of God until it speaks to you. Then take time to meditate on it. Pray, read God's word, meditate. Think about it. Just think about it. The measure of thought and study will determine the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes out of that passage of scripture. And then take time, take time to pray again. So you start off praying, read God's word, you meditate, and spend some more time praying. So we're talking about getting strong. I know this is basic. I know, I know it's simple. But it's not simple when you actually start doing it and you see the results in your life. What's the difference between a, a patch of mud and a garden? What's the difference between just a, a bunch of dirt and an orchard? The difference is seed. Seed can, can completely convert that and transform it from something that's just, oh, well, it's a wasteland. into something beautiful. And it's something that has nourishment for other people. And the difference was the seed that was invested in it. You've got to spend time engaging with the seed. The sower sows the word. The devil tries to steal it. Even right now, some of you, by the time you pull out of the parking lot, you'll have forgotten anything God was trying to speak to. You've got to latch on. No, he's trying to take it. Immediately, he goes to start trying to rob it from you. Some people engage, but it's a shallow, it's a shallow encounter. You can let it penetrate. 
Let it, let it just take over your heart, take over your life by driving it deep. You're pressing into it. You're squeezing that tube of toothpaste, getting virtue out of it, getting knowledge out of it. Then there's going to be a, a point in time where it's going to meet everyday life. And it's those encounters where you get choked out or you press through to fruitfulness. Different, different realms. The hidden realm, the realm where you can see it, but we're going to be strong, amen? Strong men and women of God. Strong men and women of God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. You read Genesis chapter two. God created man out of the dust of the ground. But he was just like a, a dirt statue. Just a little mud bot, right? Until something happened. God breathed into him the breath of life. He became a, became a man. Right, transformed. That was the breath of God. It says all scripture is God, God. It's the breath of life. Every day you just breathe in, breathe in the breath of life. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. But when you come up to that moment, when you have that encounter, when that door opens, when that opportunity presents itself, some people won't have the strength to be able to do what God has prepared that moment. But the way that we get so we're thoroughly equipped, we're strong enough is through the word of God. Everything, we start verse 13, everything, all the growth God wants us to have in our life, it all stems from what is contained in that parable, being able to move on, understanding the way that I receive the word, the way that I hold on to the word, the way that I yield to the word, the way that I apply the word. It's all in that parable to go on to be fruitful, 30, 60, 100 fold. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.